Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's vi.com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. And it is Devious Motives. I am Brett Witterbull. It's great to be spending this time with you. You know, I had a whole show planned for this uh, episode to cover ballot harvesting. We'll get into some ballot harvesting, but we would be crazy if we didn't talk about what uh, what we found out in the overnight hours from Thursday into Friday morning. And that was, of course, the president of the United States and the first lady of the United States uh, testing positive for COVID, for the coronavirus, COVID-19. And watching the way this story unfolded, was really remarkable. Uh, I was consuming the interview with Sean Hannity from the Fox News Channel late on Thursday night, watching his interview with the with the President of the United States. It was a phoner. It was fairly late. It wrapped at about eleven o'clock, and we found out in that I- interview that, uh, of course, Hope Hicks had tested positive for the coronavirus, and immediately people started asking questions. They started freaking out, and they were saying things like, "Well, what does this mean? Does he have it? Is he going to get it? Did he get it? Did he? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening?" Well, between uh, about 11 o'clock Eastern and 1 a.m. when the president took to Twitter, as he often does, to announce that he had tested positive for the COVID and the first lady had tested positive for the COVID and that it was, um, you know, essentially one of these things that they're going to have to work through and, and look through and deal with. Uh, suddenly, beginning at about 1 a.m. into the overnight hours, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a night owl. Maybe you didn't know that, but I am a night owl. And uh, then, then I watched uh, the developing news uh, into the early morning hours. And there was this feeling, let's be honest, of, of, uh, of dread, of foreboding, of it was only a matter of time before the president would be, would be hammered in this way and pounded in this way. And look, the fact of the matter is I have sound, I have sound for acres and acres of people uh, either implying that they're happy that the president got the COVID, uh, flat out happy that, they got the co- that he got the COVID, um, uh, implying that they <laughs> were happy. It, it, it's really pathetic. It was the probably peak pathetic uh, by the time you got to about, say, 7 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, I, I was just wrapping up an interview with uh, my good friend Bo Thompson over at WBT, does the Bo Thompson Morning Show, and then he uh, is the co-host with uh, Governor Pat McCrory uh, at, at my home station, where you hear me every single day from 3 to 6 p.m. in the afternoon, uh, tracking all the big stories of the day. But I had just uh, gotten off the line with Bo Thompson, and I start looking on the Twitter trend, and of course the Twitter trend is, there is a God. 
really, there is a God? Okay, so I thought to myself, wow, that's just amazing. We're having some sort of a, of, of a come to G, a literal come to Jesus moment here in the, uh, in, in the United States in the wake of the coronavirus and the president catching the coronavirus. So, of course, I clicked and I looked at the trend and the trend was Donald Trump got COVID. There is a God. I thought to myself, wow, this is really quite something from the tolerance uh, committee. The tolerance committee is really showing themselves uh, in, in, in wide technicolor um, of, 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 of TDS. Look, you can freak out about the president getting COVID. That is your prerogative. You can freak out about COVID, generally speaking. That is your prerogative. But again, we cannot ignore the science, at least all the science that we've had from uh, February to now in October. We can ignore the science, but it's not wise to ignore the science. And we can pretend that we don't know the things that we do know. But unless you are somebody with an underlying condition, unless you are somebody with a comorbidity or you are just a, a random one in a million shot, COVID is, is not killing everybody. And, and the numbers in the United States bear it out. The numbers worldwide bear, bear it out. You got eight billion people on the planet, whatever the number is. And, and, and you've got, a, you know, a, you've got a, a few million who have died from it. It's terrible. Every person who has died from it, it's tragic. It's awful. I don't want to see anybody die from it. Uh, but but even in the United States, where where you have quite literally seen this this near pagan devotion to the body count. And I'm sorry, but that's really what it is. The idea that you get excited uh, like you're you're at some sort of a telethon revealing the tote board on the cable channels and you're coming out and you're saying stuff like, all right, what's the death toll to two hundred thousand four hundred and sixty eight? And you feel like there should be bells and whistles. That's not something worth celebrating. But then again. It's the same, by and large, uh, news media that did exactly that same sort of stuff from the moment we set foot into Afghanistan and Iraq. We had body count. We had to show the world that this was going to be Vietnam Part Two. It was going to be all these sorts of things. And what it does is, I think it, it creates a sense of alarm and a sense of, of doom and gloom. The fact is, in the United States, what, what do we have? There's seven million, is it 7 million cases in the United States? Is that what it is? Seven million cases um, in the United States. And, and you've got you've got 200,000 people who have died, which is really terrible. But overwhelmingly, the numbers of people who have died are people who had those underlying conditions, smokers, uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, old age, uh, dementia, uh, sort things like that, that that have made them much more vulnerable. And these are people overwhelmingly in their 80s and, and beyond. There are young people that get it. There are young people who have died. Yes, 100 percent correct. That's true. But this is not an illness that's like worthy of celebration or exaltation or any of those sorts of things. In fact, I'm going to take the opportunity. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, what? I'm just going to jump the queue. I'm going to jump the queue and do this because you have got to hear what one of these guys, he's a guy, he's an actor. He does a lot of acting. You know what the acting is? You know what the acting is? The acting and the actor. Is, is a guy who is in the wire and he's a British guy. He's British. And so, you know, the Brits are very good at looking their noses down the United States of America. Uh, Dominic West. He is Dominic West. And he went on a, on, on a, on a show over in the UK and he actually let loose the fact that he's happy that Donald Trump got tested positive for, for COVID. Donald Trump and uh, Melania. Tested positive for COVID. So Dominic West, it's as if he had somehow won a lottery, some kind of a karmic justice move. Here's the sound. I just think it's absolutely frightful. 
I said, frightful. Listen. When you heard? Uh, well, I, I did slightly leap in the air with joy. I, I, you know, he said it is what it is. And I, I, think, uh, I think the phrase is what goes around comes around. I just hope it doesn't interfere with him being uh, elected out of office. That's all. Right. So you are the one of those to subscribe. I'm sure you wish him personally all the best, but subscribe that there's an element of karma in this. Uh, well, there's an element of schadenfreude, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I, 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 um, I, I'm not a fan of his, as you can probably tell, and I just hope uh, Biden stays healthy and, and gets the presidency as quickly as possible. I think Trump is a catastrophe for America and for the world. Who talks like that? I mean, for real, who... who what I don't know conservatives in the UK or anyplace else who, who talk like this in which they, 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 they hope that it, um, it, it takes out uh, a president of the United States. And I have no doubt in my mind that Dominic West is able to freely travel to and from the United States of America, uh, work his trade, do whatever he wants to do. But this idea that you're going to go sit over there in, 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 in pasty white England and uh, uh, cast aspersions on the president of the United States and 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 then cap it off on the back end by saying, well, I just I just hope that uh, I just hope that uh, Joe Biden stays OK. And that would be wonderful. Don't you think I'd be very pleased if we could somehow keep uh, Joe Biden healthy and happy? It's just that is that is uh, really the penultimate. That's right there with the, uh, there is a God because Trump got covid. Uh, you've got you've got this character here. So let's talk about the politics here, because I could I could play you a hundred of these, and I don't want to certainly get mired down in the idiocy of the uh, woke Hollywood crew. But the the real pragmatic impact of of this is is at least threefold, maybe more. But I'm going to start with three thoughts about the president getting COVID, and and about why it is you need to pay close attention to what goes on in the politics of this country. Here is concern number one, and a warning of sorts. To the folks that are listening to this show, whether you are somebody inclined to vote for Joe Biden or you're inclined to vote for the president or you're not from the United States and you just kind of like watch the politics of our country with a great deal, a great deal of interest. Here's here's my warning. This is why you don't vote early. Let me let me say it again for those people, the slow folks in the in, in, in the back of the pub. This is why you don't you don't you do not vote early. The name Mel Carnahan should ring a bell with you. Now, if you're not uh, that that up on politics, back in the early 2000s, Mel Carnahan uh, ran for office in Missouri. He was on the ballot in Missouri, and he died before Election Day. There was a massive court fight that took place, and uh, at the last moment, the Democratic Party establishment in the in, in the Show Me State. Uh, decided, no, 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 what we're going to do is we're just going to tell people, vote for Mel Carnahan or write in Gene Carnahan, and his his wife is just going to fulfill the, the next term of office. And and Republicans and a few Democrats and people in the news media said, wait a minute, you can't do that. You, you don't just get to swap. A, this is not NASCAR where you pull into the pits and we take those tires off and we give you new tires and it's all just still the same car. You actually, you need to vote for somebody specifically to vote for somebody uh, to ensure that, that you're going to get to this place where you have a free and fair election. What the heck are you doing? And so, and so in all seriousness, that's what happened. And Gene Carnahan won the seat. She got to keep Mel Carnahan was dead. He was a cadaver. He was buried by the time the election uh, took place. And she just got they just willed it to her. And they said, well, you know, you, you get to just finish it out. What, what, what do you what, what it was? What is this peerage? 
what is this? Some sort of royal a royal situation? So, number one, this is why you do not vote early. It is only October. The election is in early November. We're going to be documenting the dirty 30 uh, final days of the election all through this cycle uh, as we as we march towards November. But this is why you don't vote early, because what if you have something happen? Man falls off ladder. Woman falls off ladder, changing a light bulb. Somebody is stricken with an illness. A terrible uh, accident occurs. Uh, you know, a, a, a flying saucer crashes into your house and you're incapacitated and you're not able to serve. Whatever it is. This is why I, I get absentee voting. You know, like a couple couple votes here, a couple votes there. I'm on my, uh, I'm on my cruise. I'm not going to be in town to vote, so I'll take my chances. But when you have a north of a million, I think they've said north of a million people have cast ballots. I think 300,000 in North Carolina alone have cast ballots. This is why you don't vote early. Because circumstances could change. Something could happen. I don't know what it would be, and I hope it doesn't on either side, because I just want to see a, a regular election unfold so we can get right back to coup tying the uh, president-elect, uh, whichever party it is. Um, I, I just want, I just, it's why you don't vote early. That's, that's number one. That's number one. Number two, here, here's the, the second important point. Second important point is if you look back over the span of time that we've just watched with the president of the United States um, and his schedule— You've seen everything from a, 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 a rally in Jacksonville, Florida, all the way up through last weekend, where he named Amy Coney Barrett as his choice for the Supreme Court. And then drifting into now uh, this new week, you saw a presidential debate and you saw uh, you saw, um, you know, the, the goings on there. Here's here's the issue. And it's a serious issue. If Hope Hicks, let's say Hope Hicks is theoretically the patient zero in this mix and i'm not trying to ascribe anything to her but let's say hope hicks is patient zero and had contact with the president and the first lady and had other people around her she went to the debate she traveled with the trump family she traveled with the trump team she traveled with the trump campaign so theoretically any of those other folks could be could be could be exposed to this and what this means when you go to the Cleveland Clinic debate, right, which is I call it the Cleveland Clinic debate because it was at Case Western Reserve. The Cleveland Clinic is on that campus. They all were in that big uh, that big arena, socially distanced, of course, of course. But you had all these people together. You had all the Trump kids. You had uh, uh, Jill and Joe Biden. You had their supporters, people like Chris Coons, uh, the senator from Delaware. All those folks are all packed in. They're hanging out together. And what does this potentially mean? It potentially means you, sorry to tell you this, Mr. Smart, smarty pants, British guy, you, 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 you could have a situation wherein the Biden camp is exposed to the coronavirus. Now, I hate to go backwards, but I will. To last Saturday, you also had Amy Coney Barrett and her family at the announcement for her to become the new justice nominee for the Supreme Court uh, to take over for the now deceased Ruth Bader Ginsburg. See, I didn't call it the Ruth Bader Ginsburg seat. So you can't send me uh, hate mails in that regard. But you're, you're looking at the, the, the three biggest stories of our time here, rallies, Supreme Court nomination, and of course, a presidential debate. And there is an intersectionality there. I don't mean to use the term inappropriately, but you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of elements involved here, folks. A lot to think about. I've got more points and more takeaways and even more outrages straight ahead. It is the Devious Motives podcast. My name is Brett Witterbull, and we'll be back right after this. 
listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. And welcome back. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of the uh, Representatives, Speaker of the House, uh, came out in the uh, last few hours in response to the president's diagnosis of being uh, positive for COVID-19 and said that uh, she has been tested for coronavirus out of an abundance of caution, uh, in quotes, and raised concerns about the accuracy of the tests at the White House that led to President Trump's exposure out of an abundance of caution. I was tested. I don't have the results yet, but hopefully soon, Pelosi told MSNBC's business whiz Stephanie Rule on Friday morning. I have concerns about the test because obviously the tests that are happening at the White House are not as accurate as they should be. Wait, why would they not be as accurate as they should be? If if Hope Hicks tested positive uh, on Thursday and the president tested positive late Thursday night, early Friday morning, why would those tests not be accurate? It's possible that she got the infection in the intervening time. That just doesn't make any sense. This is this is what we call cheap, cheesy partisan politics writ large. Uh, And I'm sorry, but that's really what it is we're seeing here. Because we're indicting the efficacy of the tests. The efficacy of the tests would be if the president was suddenly admitted to the intensive care unit at Walter Reed and we found out it's because the tests have all said it was negative, but he really had it. It just doesn't it it just doesn't play right. And unfortunately, this is this is partisan politic hackery. This is this is what I mean by uh, devious motives. You want to underline the testing regimens because you're angry that they're still not doing that two point two trillion dollar deal. By the way, I think the president ought to just sign off on the on, on the stupid two point two trillion dollar deal. Go go bail out the cities. Go do all that sort of stuff. You've got to take arrows out of Nancy's quiver and people are going to disagree with me. And that's totally cool. You can send me an email. But uh, she says that's a discussion that we've got, we've got to have. We have to find out what led to the exposure of the president uh, of the United States that should have been avoided. Really? Son of a gun. Who knew that? Who knew that? Who knew that, that we should we should really try to w- worry about this sort of stuff? Pelosi, third in line to the presidency, but also totally willing to use a uh, hair salon when it's supposed to be closed on account of covid. Let's not forget that. Um, has been in talks at the Capitol this week with Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. I don't know if Mnuchin tested positive, but I do know Wilbur Ross tested negative. Oh, apparently, wait, this just in, Mnuchin also tested negative on Friday. But Mike Lee from Utah, Mike Lee from Utah has posi- has uh, tested positively. So now it's starting to get interesting. Now it's starting to get very, very, very fascinating uh, when you look at that, if I, if I can just append one other issue, then I'm going to get back to some of the stuff that really does concern me about about the current coronavirus mess. Um, Speaker Pelosi on Thursday, before all this stuff was going on, on, on Thursday, Speaker Pelosi came out and said, uh, by the way, uh, in case you're wondering, the, the the situation on the ground is that if somehow the election is not resolved uh, by the traditional means of the Electoral College, and this thing got thrown into the House of Representatives. That's not a light at the end of the tunnel for President Trump. The implication being that she's going to rig the vote so that even though you have more Republican states than Democrat states, if you were to go on a one-vote-per-state model, which is what you would do, that somehow the president wouldn't then, well, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but you get what I'm saying. This is really uh, pretty, uh, pretty freaky. The president, for his part, by the way, Mild symptoms, uh, cold and flu type stuff, and and they are going to try to uh, uh, get him uh, to to feel feel so much better. Uh, one of the uh, other stories that's out there moving, and I, I previewed this a little bit in that last hour. Uh, last hour, I'm used to doing my radio show. Uh, the 
one of the stories that has been moving is this idea involving ballot harvesting. You've probably seen the reporting that took place earlier in the week as James O'Keefe's Project Veritas came out and did a sting operation looking at voter fraud in Minneapolis. And I think it's, is it Ward 6 that, uh, that Ilhan Omar comes out of? But you had admissions by people who claim to be actual paid ballot harvesters uh, saying, yes, we totally rigged this stuff, man. And we do this all, all the time. It's, it's really quite something. And, and we do pretty well. Well, in the intervening time, you've seen people talking about ballot harvesting not being a concern. I mean, I can pull up headlines. Maine court cites voter fraud concern and ruling against push for ballot harvesting uh, and extending absentee deadline. Trump has turned, quote, ballot harvesting into a rallying cry against mail-in voting. Ballot harvesting currently restricted in Minnesota. On the Project Veritas ballot harvesting allegations, Supreme Court to review Arizona ballot harvesting laws. Voting is sacred. All right. Voting is a sacred act. And when we take our ballot and when we make our choice, regardless of the election, I don't care if it's the presidency, a Senate race, a school board race a congressional race, a mayoral race. You have an expectation, uh, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, you have an expectation that your ballot's going to get counted. Now, I don't want someone opening my ballot, steaming it open, steaming it open, making a Xerox and voting differently in my name. I didn't authorize that. I'm not doing that. I don't want that. But the idea that weirdos and vans can go driving around neighborhoods and bang on doors and tell you to give you their, their ballot so they could turn it in for you feels to me to be profoundly un-American, at least as un-American as Antifa. Going out in the streets and, and beating people with brick bats because they don't like their politics. As President Trump seeks to erode the trust in mail-in voting, he's latched on to, quote, ballot harvesting, a loaded term that is essentially another way of saying ballot collection, says Jack Brewster and Forbes, as proof voting by mail is rife with fraud, though the legal process is legal in 26 states and that the president actually has to understand that there's no proof of widespread voter fraud when it comes to voting by mail, but it hasn't stopped the president from going after it. Ballot collection or ballot harvesting is a process in which a voter fills out an absentee ballot, seals it, completes the necessary security checks before handing the ballot off to another person to be submitted at a polling drop-off location. I don't want someone taking my ballot from my possession and, and delivering it uh, later on today on, on their appointed rounds. I mean, I, I take my ballot seriously. Maybe these people don't. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, the, they say that, well, you know, ballot harvesting is legal in 26 states, but a dozen of those states restrict the number of ballots a person can collect, while 10 states mandate the collection process can only be completed by the voter's family member. Don't have a problem with the voter's family member. Really don't. Hey, honey, are you, gonna, are you running by the fire station? Can you drop my ballot off for me, please? Thank you very much. Totally good with that. Don't like the idea that weirdos in vans driving around uh, listening to fish all day. I don't mean to, I don't, I don't want to try to alienate anybody out there. My brother likes fish. I like to eat fish, but I don't listen to fish. Yes, I know the big hit was bouncing around the room. But my, my point is, I, I, I don't, I don't want 
I don't want G- G- Gabby Gabby Fish guy picking up my ballot in his van. And as he drives down the road, I, I notice on the bumper sticker of the van, there's a coexist, a Bernie bro, and a, and a Biden Harris sticker on the back of the van. That's going to make me nervous. Should make you nervous too. And, and by the way. Mail-in voting isn't the issue. Mail-in voting is not the issue. I have voted absentee. I have mailed a ballot. I have turned my ballot in. I've done all those sorts of things. The issue is shotgunning out millions of ballots that will land hither, dither, and yon. Where do you live in 2020? Did you live someplace different in 2016? Did you vote in 2016? When you moved, did you call the the Board of Elections and let them know, inform them, tell them that you had moved and that the ballots shouldn't go to your old address? Even if you have, in places like New York City, you can watch people talk about this. There are folks that go out there to get their mail, and they're they're getting mail from people, from four people who lived in that building in 1958. And I may be exaggerating only a little bit, but the fact is, this is not a well-managed process by any stretch of the imagination. The mail-out ballots, the shotgunning out of ballots is not the answer. I use this analogy a lot. It's going to be perfectly apropos on devious motives. You do not shotgun out ballots in the same way that you would not shotgun out cashier's checks. Without a name on the on the. Uh, on the uh, on the recipient line so that, you know what, if it shows up at your place, it's really intended for Mrs. Robinson. But since you're Mr. Perez, just write your name in and you get to keep the check yourself anyways, right? Finders keepers, losers weepers. Can't that go for ballot harvesting? Can't that go for mass mailing mail out stuff? That's that's the frustrating reality. It's crazy. You know, back in 2018, the North Carolina Board of Elections threw out the results of a congressional election over an illegal form of ballot harvesting after a Republican operative was charged with illegally collecting absentee ballots. It may have been the first example of election results being thrown out due to voter fraud in the United States. But as the Washington Post noted, according to Forbes, in this case, the GOP operative was charged with tampering and filling in absentee ballots, which is illegal under any circumstance. Wait, you mean like the guy who had the 300 ballots in his car? driving around in Minneapolis talking about how they were all for the other guy and that they were going to, you know, kind of hand it, handle it. The fact that it was Republicans committing fraud in 2018 and that it ended up in a court case is not exculpatory and it is, it is not a defense for using ballot harvest. I mean, I, I hate to be the guy that points that out. So here's, here's what I would like to do. This is my two-step fix. One, purge all voter rolls every decade. If you're going to have a census every 10 years to find out where people are living— why don't you purge all the voter rolls every 10 years? And if you want to vote, you re-register. How often do you register your car? I don't know, Brett, I live in New York. I don't have a car. Okay, but if you had a car, if you had a car, you would register your car every year. How often do you renew your insurance, your Obamacare stuff, your Medicare? How often do you do that? Every year in enrollment time. Okay, so you can't do a, a voter reg every decade? You can't do a voter registration every decade? Why, 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 why is that an impossibility? Why is that a biblical uncertitude that we can't do that? I don't understand what the problem is. It doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it's because it, it doesn't make sense to shotgun ballots out to people. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make a prediction. Because Donald Trump 
has COVID-19 because the president has now come down with COVID-19. The push will be on for even more mail-in balloting. We, we need to get even more ballots out to everybody so they can mail in their ballots. Because, I mean, after all, the president is mailing in his ballot. And that's because he's an absentee voter that has changed his residence to Florida. Do you think it's... I don't even want to say this. I don't want to say it. But on, on devious motives, I speak only the truth. What happens to Donald Trump's ballot when it goes to Trump Tower, New York City? And, and it's, it's one of those sad lonely little pieces of mail that is kind of jammed in the side of the mailbox because it keeps going to the to the mailbox and that's not the person's mailbox and it, it just keeps getting kind of put back out on the ledge if you ever lived in an apartment building you know what i'm talking about there's like a ledge by the mailbox or a little a little spot where people kind of they post the mail there to look at and say if if, if you're if you're jack kerouac this is your ballot so i'm just going to leave it here for you to find when you come stumbling in at night or is he going to get is he going to get two ballots? And that's really it's really quite something. No, I think he is going to vote out of Florida and they're going to he's going to mail it because he's got the covid. But, you know, when you look at the story all the way around, it's it's an incredible thing to watch and an incredible thing to see. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about dollars and cents. Unemployment numbers came out on Friday final jobs report before election day. Shows U.S. employers added 661,000 workers in September. It would have been perfect had it been 666,666 workers uh, in September, because then people could have, you know, read into it as like the mark of the whatever. Uh, Economists expected employers to add 850,000 jobs last month, the smallest figure since the labor market's recovery began in May. We lost uh, 20 million jobs as a result of the Wu flu of the of the coronavirus. We lost. That's right. You heard me. 20 million jobs. We're back 10 million. We've got 10 million jobs back in the mix. That to me is not a loss. That to me uh, represents uh, something. But as Steve Moore pointed out earlier in the day, um, the first 10 million are easy. It's that back 10 million that are really hard to to try to put back into place. You've got restaurants, restaurateurs who have uh, lost their businesses. Bar owners could not open. Gym owners could not uh, function. Uh, you actually have contracting Catholic diocese in, 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 inside of cities in our country because people can't go to church. It's a tragic and very real thing that we're dealing with here. And we have to be aware of what it is we're looking at. The president has COVID-19. I think this is a good opportunity for all of us to get together and, and, to, and to hope for the best for our political leaders, regardless of party, because nobody benefits when the entire system goes tilt. I'm Brett Winterbull. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull.